thanks for listening. I'm recording this episode on September 17th of 2020. We just had our new moon in Virgo, and I wanted to spend some time discussing this Venus square Uranus transit that we're having that lasts through September 20th. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm seeing it play out a lot um, in my clients' lives, friends' lives, but also just like generally on social media. Um, I think it's an important transit. It's a difficult transit. And I just kind of wanted to shed some light on it so that people can have context for what's happening. Um, so Venus is the planet of, you know, in pop astrology, she's the planet of love, but she's a lot more than that. Um, Venus assigns value. So value to connections, value to people, value to, um, the ways that we can connect emotionally with art, uh, poetry, any kind of experience that gives us pleasure. So in this particular instance, we are talking about a transit. So um, the things that I'm going to say about Venus in this regard is going to be flavored by the fact that Venus is in Leo. So this isn't necessarily going to be true for, you know, your natal Venus. Um, there's a difference between natal placements and transits. So natal placements are what you have in your unique birth chart and where the planets are in your unique birth chart. When we t discuss transits, um, also just like mundane astrology, um, we're talking about what's happening now, where planets are now, how they're acting, how they're interacting. Um, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to put that out there so that I don't confuse anybody um, in case you're newer to this. Because I know sometimes it can just be, um, it, it can be hard to keep things straight. So, um, but yeah, so Venus is the planet of um, connection, love, value, pleasure. Um, Venus is receptive, so whenever anybody talks about a planet um, or a sign being feminine, that just means the energy uh, is re receiving, whereas masculine um, pl like planets and um, signs are expressive, so the energy moves outward, and with... Um, with Venus being a feminine planet, we're talking here about like bringing energy in and receiving energy. Okay. And then Uranus is the planet of chaos, um, the planet of ultimate liberty. So being totally untethered, being completely free to um, be who and what you desire to be. Um, the, every, every planet has a goal, essentially. So, um, when we're talking about Uranus, Uranus has the goal of ultimate individual freedom and expression. So the chaos is sort of Uranus's method to get us free if that makes sense. Um, when I am talking to clients about their birth charts or transit reports, um, I describe Uranus as the table flipper. Um, and the most classic story of that in Western society, like Judeo-Christian society, um, is, you know, when the story in the Bible, when Jesus goes to the temple and sees people selling things, although let me backtrack just a bit. Um, a lot of times when you hear this story now, it is made to sound like it was sudden. Um, but I actually had a client the other day uh, remind me that it, it was premeditated um, based on some other things in the Bible. But anyway, point being, you know, he walks into the temple, people are selling things, people are turning a place of worship into a place of capital, of... Um, you know, selling, making money, et cetera, et cetera. 
gets pissed and flips the tables over and, like, flogs a few people just to make a point of, like, this is not okay, this will not stand. That is Uranus. Um, If I had to assign Uranus a tarot card, it would be the tower. So Uranus delivers us things suddenly, which can be frightening. Um, It can certainly dismantle our notion of truth, our notion of um, our own sense of reality, of our own uh, judge you know, judgment of character, things like that, especially when we're dealing with relationships, which brings us back to Venus. So Venus, square Uranus, a square is an aspect that is a point of pressure. So it's not, um, it's not as extreme as an opposition where you have two planets directly across from each other. Instead, in a square, you're dealing with, um, planets, sort of pushing each other, um, like elbowing each other or shouldering each other to do better. So we have the planet of beauty, connection, love, relationship, squaring up to the planet of ultimate liberty and freedom and um, revolution, if you will. So what does that mean broadly speaking, in our general lives. Okay. So Venus is in Leo. Leo, Venus in Leo wants to be appreciated. Um, Venus in Leo wants to be adored. Venus in Leo wants to be praised and complimented. And so Venus in Leo, um, Leo does get a bad rap, definitely in pop astrology, for being self-centered. But in, within the context of this particular transit, I'm going to speak about the embodied or like fully realized qualities of Leo, the idealized, um, you know, the ideal form of Leo energy. So, because we are talking about mundane astrology, um, Venus in Leo loves herself and knows her worth. And thus wants to receive the um, appropriate amount of love and affection and praise and recognition. So because Venus and Leo loves herself and knows what she's worth and knows that she's a goddess, um, hello, like, <laughs> um, she expects and in some cases demands to be treated accordingly. Now Uranus being this planet of like chaos and liberty and sudden, um, sudden truths, sudden revelations, uh, Uranus transiting Taurus, moving through the sign of Taurus is disrupting lots of long standing things. Taurus is a fixed earth sign. So this is grounded in our everyday lives, grounded in our psyche, things that we have held onto and just known to be true or known to be habit for a really long time. And Uranus transits are slow, so we are dealing with like a seven-year transit through the sign of Taurus. Um, So this is... A, a transit that we have been dealing with over the past couple years, but it really is most, it's most noticeable when it is aspecting other planets or, um, or even like comes, you know, when, when another planet comes conjunct with Uranus. Um, but even if it's a square or something like that, you can tell it's Uranus because of the sudden nature of what happens. So this means that we are looking at a sudden realization or a sudden, um, you know, a piece of news or, and I don't mean news like, you know, like CNN. I mean, you, you learn something, something is revealed to you that makes you reevaluate your relationships. Now this can be romantic but it can also be in your friendships. It can be in your business um, relationships, people that you have partnered with. 
um, in some way, people that you are tethered to. It could be a close relationship. Um, it could be family relationship. And it could also be your sense of relationship to self and self-love and confidence because that's also definitely a Venus and especially Venus and Leo thing because Leo likes to shine. So Venus and Leo is ready to just exude confidence and um, shine. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> and then we also have Mars is currently um, in Aries. It is trining Venus by sign. It is not trining Venus by degree until um, until later in the month, uh, around September 24th. Uh, Mars will be in a more exact trine to Venus, but even when it's by sign, you can kind of feel it. So a trine is a helpful aspect. Uh, so as Leo is a fire sign, um, Venus is in Leo, Aries is a fire sign, Mars is currently in Aries. So Mars is in a harmonious aspect to Venus to help her. Okay, what is Mars helping with there? Well, it's helping with this Uranus transit of, um, oh shit, this isn't working anymore. This relationship, this connection, this friendship, this whatever, um, inevitably involving either another person or ideas that we have about ourselves, about how we treat ourselves and view ourselves and love ourselves, um, habits, things like that. It's not working anymore. So then Mars comes in um, a few days after this Uranus-Venus square off to help. Um, Mars is the planet of action, aggression, separation. Um, Mars, uh, in its ruling sign of Aries, of course, we're literally dealing with war, with um, weapons, with cutting away. So Mars can help uh, Venus achieve the goal of Uranus. Um, but that works the other way around too, where Mars can help, um, can help, can use Uranus to help Venus achieve her goal. Um, so they are all working together. So essentially what we're dealing with is an opportunity to end or deeply, deeply restructure a relationship or thought pattern or habit um, that involves value and love and appreciation and connection in our lives. And it's not likely to be um, Uranus transits and Uranus aspects are, are uncomfortable. Um, it, it tends to feel like the rug has been ripped out from underneath your feet and you're just struggling to find something solid to hold on to. And especially Uranus and Taurus, this is disrupting things that we've just taken as is for years that we have allowed to become permanent fixtures in our lives. And if you're looking at this, um, in, in relationship, like if you've had someone in your life for a long time, whether it's a partner or a family member, etc., um, those things that become regular fixtures in our lives are harder to break free from and remove because it, it's just there. It's always there. And we just assume this is the norm. Um, so of course, as a woman and as an Aries, I, <laughs> I am inevitably seeing this through that sort of, um, the scope of Mars of like cutting away and fighting for your freedom, but also, um, your right as someone worthy of love and affection and true, true praise, you know, not the lip service of a relationship, but truly to have relationships that let you shine, which is very Venus and Leo. And I was thinking about this, um, in a different context a few days ago, and it'll probably end up becoming like a whole other episode, um, <laughs> of essentially, well, two thoughts, um, flourishing as an act of defiance 
in the face of everything that's been happening this year especially I don't I don't know anyone who hasn't had personal tragedy and not just like one personal tragedy tragedy but like four or five like big difficult sad painful things happen this year um and that is the astrology of 2020 and it can be very difficult in times like that even for people who are mentally stable most of the time um this period has certainly made me more aware of and grateful for my mental stability um I don't have depression I don't have a personality disorder I don't have um I don't have serious mental health issues uh I go to therapy which everybody should but um <laughs> but you know it's just it's really highlighted like man I'm like a pretty stable person and even me this year my experience has been so rough and so like yeah I can like I have a new appreciation and empathy for people who do struggle with mental illness like every day when things are good and you're struggling because this year especially has just been oh it has been a bitch <laughs> there's not really another way to say that it's just awful so whatever your um personal hell has been through 2020 um i i had been thinking about flourishing and thriving as an act of defiance in the face of that and how important it is um but then also just thinking about like flourishing as a concept of life and um how we need to you know ideally we would have relationships and jobs and friends um and just circumstances in our lives that that the goal is to flourish and that doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficulty it doesn't mean that you avoid hardship but learning to essentially like perform internal alchemy within the con the concept of your life and like taking all of the shit and making it fuel for your ability to flourish which is not easy it's not simple it takes time so that's going to be a whole other episode um but I was already sort of thinking about the importance of flourishing um, before we had this this transit come up so I'm just throwing that in there as well because Leo is an energy that wants to flourish Venus is a receptive energy that wants to thrive and enjoy and just like have um, positive sensual um, you know divine experiences and not divine in the sense that it's removed from daily life um, but divinity that can be found in the body, in the earth, in the five senses. So it is also interesting to note that Uranus and Taurus, you know, Taurus is a Venus ruled sign. So that sort of doubles down on the focus of um, relationship and connection and pleasure and all of those things with this um, with this transit. Okay, I hope I'm not rambling too fast <laughs> when I'm trying to sort of um, lay it all out on the table in a way that hopefully makes sense. So this inevitably brings me to, oh, okay, yeah, gotta mention this too. Um, so Mars and Lilith are also very, very, very close together right now on Aries, and they keep coming closer and closer as this month progresses. Um, and so Mars and Aries is already kind of like a, the internal warrior, right? Like Aries is the individual. It is the archetype of the soldier, the warrior, the fighter. And then Mars being ruled by Aries is also that. So we're dealing here with <clears throat> fighting for oneself and then you throw Lilith into the mix and Lilith is this um, asteroid that is named after a feminine archetype 
that you can find it well you can find her in a lot of different places now but essentially the origin of Lilith was um she was Adam's first wife in the you know Judeo-Christian pantheon if you will now this story is not included in the I don't know, regular Bible, if you will. Um, this is a story that, that predates that and then was removed because the Bible has been edited so many times. Um, but because we live in a Western culture, inevitably most of the people that listen to this are at least going to vaguely know like the story of Adam and Eve and all of that. So Lilith was his first wife who quote-unquote, went wrong, um, although I don't think she did, but. <laughs> so the story of Lilith goes that she and Adam were made equal. Um, they were both made out of clay at the same time, two separate, you know, fully formed humans, male, female. Okay. Now... When it came time to, the story goes that when it came time to consummate the marriage, if you will, um, Lilith refused to submit. She wanted to be on top, and Adam got butt hurt and fussed at God. And so God was like, um, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> and she just wasn't down with it. She's like, no, you know, he's my equal. I'm not going to submit to him. I get to be on top. And she was cast out of the garden and became this demon who, like, her children would become demons. And, um, you know, of course, any woman who breaks the rules, right, is just the bad, the bad one. Um, Eve didn't get off easy either. But, um, yeah, so Lilith was kicked out. Although I've also read things that, like, she will, like, willingly left and was like, uh, I'm not down with this. <laughs> no snake needed, right? Like, no apple required. She knew, she knew from the get-go, like, this is not fair. This is not how it should be. And she was like, I'm going to bounce. So, so that's Lilith. Now, <clears throat> in the context of astrology, uh, Lilith represents, especially for women, the dark feminine archetype. So she's sort of a little bit like a female Pluto, not, not exactly, but like a similar energy. So Lilith for women has to do with the personal shadow. Lilith is, um, the, all the qualities and behaviors that we were told as young girls, oh, don't do that. You know, a good girl, a good woman, a lady doesn't do X, Y, and Z, and then we internalize that, put it in our shadow, assume that it's bad because it's, you know, we've been taught that it's bad, and then we don't do those things, but we also, because it is, <clears throat> these are qualities that get repressed, we project them onto other people, um, and so then we get into a whole conversation about how women police other women, because, you know, that's a tool of patriarchy, um, to keep women in line. If, if we're busy policing each other and ourselves, then nobody else has to try to keep us under control. So, you know, there's my soapbox mini feminist rant. Um, <laughs> but, but seriously, in astrology, um, that is what Lilith represents. So she also becomes a part of ourselves that if we are willing to face that shadow and dissect our beliefs, around what we've been told is bad. Like, do I really, as a grown woman, do I think that this, this is bad? Do I think that this behavior is unacceptable because it is? Or do I think that because somebody taught me that? And, um, do I, like, can I integrate this? Can I use this? Is this a tool that was removed from me as a child to keep me in line? Nine times out of ten, the answer is yes. So with Lilith, you're dealing with the demonized woman. And the demonized woman is always just the woman who didn't want to fall in line, the woman who was willing to fight and speak out. So she is also 
in this whole configuration here, um, very close to Mars. So we have this perfect storm of, do you love yourself enough to fight for yourself? <clears throat> do you love yourself enough to accept that maybe it's time to in that relationship or in that friendship or um, break a habit pattern that has kept you because of fear or conditioning or whatever has kept you in these connections that drain you and don't allow you to flourish. And then Uranus just swoops in with whatever bad news you need to be like, you, do you want to keep doing this or are you good? Like, are you ready to not repeat this lesson? So here's another thing about astrology. Um, sometimes, <laughs> and, and there are varying perspectives on astrology and I'm not here to say like, this way is wrong and this way is right. Um, I just try to find what seems to be most practical and helpful for people. <clears throat> So there are some camps in astrology, although this is largely changing, that are fatalistic, if you will. And they think like, well, this is just how it is. And especially when you're dealing with natal charts, some people will be like, well, you know, these are my placements and this is just me. This is just how I am and there's no changing it. And that's just how it is. Um, and then there's, you know, a more evolutionary, um, inclined thinking, you know, evolutionary astrology is, is one branch of this, but it's essentially saying, no, I mean, this is what you have, this is what's happening, but it evolves, you know, everything is subject to change. And I think that's essentially the paradox of existence is a lot of things everything's a cycle, right? We know this. Astrology teaches us this. We have cycles. Things do repeat themselves. However, within that structure, we also, we do have free will. So there is a potential to change your trajectory, to change your pattern, um, to exit cycles that you no longer want to repeat. So with this particular transit, we are looking at cycles of relationship, be it to another person or other people or yourself, you know, love for yourself, those, those Venus things, um, love and connection in all those forms. Do you want to keep repeating a harmful pattern that does not honor you and does not help you flourish? Or do you want to stay in that perpetual cycle? And I can't remember where I heard it or read it or what, but at some point in my life as a child, I remember hearing, you're only stuck, you're only as stuck as you think you are. And another thing that I remember, um, and oddly enough, I think it was my mom who said it, Although, true to form, um, she does not practice this, but she taught me it, so for that I am grateful. <clears throat> but I remember her saying, people will treat you how you let them treat you. So, there's this understanding of, like, having a boundary, and I feel like this has been coming up a lot in just general conversations, but especially with clients and my astrology clients, this sense of establishing a boundary that it's not something that has to be blatantly said, although it can be, but it's really more about embodiment. And that's what we're going for with everything in life. It's not just lip service. It's not just facade. It's like you are embodying this thing. So if your boundaries are embodied, it's literally an energy that people feel. And that doesn't mean that they won't try to test it, right? Inevitably, there's all different kinds of people in the world, and some people are just button pushers. But it's kind of like dealing with a, like a 
small child when they're learning and they're just testing, testing, testing. How far can I push this? How far can I go? What can I get away with? And where, where does that stop? Like, where am I going to get my ass beat? Right. (laughs) For those of us who grew up when your parents would still beat your ass sometimes. Um, and so we learn these things and it's all subconscious, which is part of what makes it very difficult to change. Um, because it's just a pattern. The subconscious is just patterns that we have internalized and took as normal. And this is just what we do. It's like going through the motions of what we have been programmed to think are the correct motions. So in relationship, um, thinking in the context of like this aspect, uh, we're, we're dealing with like infidelity, in, in a lot of cases, um, you know, if someone devalues you, right? With, with Venus, we're, we're talking about connection, but we're also talking about value. People value you based on how you value yourself. And it's, it, again, it's very subconscious. If, <clears throat> you know, even down to like posture and stuff... If, if you hide, if you look timid, um, people are going to push you and and they may not even, they may not even know they're doing it, but like, it's, it's very, it's just like this weird instinct that we all have. So break it down to even body language. You know, if you walk into a situation and you need to confront somebody, but you won't make eye contact and you're looking down and you're not raising your voice and you're just kind of protecting yourself physically by like shrinking into yourself, you're not going to be taken seriously. So in this aspect, you know, Venus isn't normally aggressive, even in fire signs, Venus is an energy because it's receptive. Um, the only time it really gets aggressive when we see like the darker sides of Venus, like wrath and jealousy and all of those things, which is not to say that they aren't warranted. Um, but you know, you're what, what happens in those cases is the shadow cannot be contained anymore because it has not been appropriately expressed that then it explodes. So for instance, in a relationship, if you have, as especially women, we're intuitive. We know shit before we know it. Always trust that, ladies. You know. <laughs> you might not know why you know, but you know. Um, you know, if you feel, especially if it's somebody that you're um, closely connected to emotionally, you know, you know if your best friend's having a hard time, even if they're not telling you. Um or in relationship, like romantic relationship, you know, if your partner, if something's off now, if you don't communicate that and you let it fester, then, you know, it gets relegated to the shadow. It kind of becomes this weird monster that's like running its own show in the background. That's just getting progressively out of control. So then it might start spiraling into, thoughts that are way worse than the reality of the situation. Whereas if it was immediately brought to light and it's like, Hey, you seem off what's going on. Let's talk about it. That, you know, you can slay the dragon before it gets too big. Now that's not something that we're taught to do. Um, and, and oftentimes if you do that, especially as a woman, it's very off putting for a lot of partners because it's not the cultural norm. Um, but do it anyway. (laughs) We're not, you know, passive aggressive doesn't work. Be smash of aggressive. (laughs) That's my Aries advice. Um, but really just like be, you know, if you don't let things fester in the shadow, they don't get out of control. They don't become malignant. You have to just address it when it comes up. Um, and that takes practice and courage, but it's not impossible. So in this instance, um, you know, you know, if something's off. So if you have suspicions, we could be dealing with a situation where you bring it up and then the person is, you know, gaslighting you like, Oh, you're just being crazy. Well, that invalidates 
You know, that's not an answer. That's not an answer to a question saying you're crazy. It's like, no, that's not a conversation. That's an accusation. So those are things, you know, obviously to look out for. Um, but the intuition, the female intuition is a hell of a thing. So, um, whatever, whatever this is, however it's showing up for you personally, it's something you already know. It's someone you know you need to get rid of. It's someone you know is not letting you flourish. Or it's something. It's a habit. Um, it's an idea you might even have about yourself. It's a piece of your own shadow that's holding you back. That is preventing that, um, not only that Venusian quality of flourishing, but also that, that Uranus quality of, of just being free, of being untethered, um, of being uninhibited. And that's not to say that we should be reckless because Uranus is after Saturn and Saturn is, is dignified and mature. So it's like, you can't be free <laughs> truly until you learn the lessons of Saturn. So it's all about integration. We're not, we're not taking planets and their lessons and throwing them away. We're integrating them and then moving on to the next thing. That is evolution. So we are currently in a little window of evolutionary potential where we are being provided with not just the opportunity, but also the tools to break out of a cycle of bad relationship, <clears throat> whether it's to yourself or to other people. And the thing about transits is, um, my initial thought that then I kind of <laughs> ran off the rails there in dealing with astrology, um, everything is a cycle, but you know, you're the one playing the game. It's choose your own adventure. So life is going to throw you these circumstances and it's, you might not be able to control what comes at you, but you can absolutely learn to control your response and what you do with those scenarios. So again, taking this from the perspective of um, relationship, because we are dealing with Venus. If you know somebody has devalued you, if you know somebody has betrayed you, um, it is an act of self-betrayal to let it continue to happen. And I'm saying this as somebody who grew up with a family fraught with infidelity, like endless infidelity. And, and because I saw that and the effects of it, it rather than, you know, people can go either way. I knew it wasn't normal. I knew it wasn't good. Um, some people grow up in those situations and just assume that that's how every relationship is. Um, I went very far in the other direction. <laughs> so, um, Venus and Leo loving the self, Mars and Aries fighting for the self, Lilith and Mars together fighting for your power as a, as a woman or as, you know, somebody who is worthy to receive love and affection. Again, feminine energy being receptive, and then Uranus just wanting to, like, break that cycle. Um, certain transits like this, it's like a door. And the door opens, but, I mean, the universe is not going to shove you through the door. Life is not... People seem to think that life is this thing that happens to you. And it feels that way a lot of the time because there's so many things we can't control and we can't know and we can't... Um, grasp onto and bend to our will. It's really about what am I going to do with this? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to use this to my evolution, to my benefit versus my destruction? So in dealing with relationships, partnerships, friendships, whatever, somebody who does not encourage you to flourish, somebody who does not value enough value you enough to respect you and be, um, 
honest and be faithful, you know, if that's your expectation in relationship, um, if that is the relationship that you have founded with this person on the expectation of being monogamous and honest and faithful, um, and they can't do that, they don't value you. And continuing a cycle of this is really implosive and self-destructive. It's like, no, like when, you know, you're little and you put your hand on the stove, you don't do it again. But for some reason, um, these threats, these wounds, these, um, patterns of, of, destruction that are not immediate and they're not um, like physically they're not always physically apparent so you know you're not putting your hand you're not literally putting your hand on on the stove but you are metaphorically like letting your heart get ripped out of your chest every time you get in in this cycle of relationship or with this same person or with this same friend that is awful, like the one perpetuating the cycle after the initial revel revelation of like, okay, this isn't good. This person isn't right for me. Um, or they're not honest, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever the framework there is, you know, after it's like Maya Angelou said, when someone shows you who they are the first time, believe them. And that doesn't mean that you believe your projection of a person, because of course we all, we all have honeymoon phases with relationships and friendships. Oh, this person's so great, you know, and then over time, the truth, you know, the, the projection kind of fades and you get to see the truth of the person and ideally they line up, but they don't always. Um, so then we have to take accountability for, okay, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this information? How am I going to handle this scenario? And especially with Venus in Leo, Mars in Aries, we are talking about what am I going to do for myself? And I think particularly for women in Western culture, we are trained to think, um, that we always have to be nice, that we always have to be the bigger person, that we always have to be forgiving. And that is imbalanced um, pretty severely because we don't see a lot of men doing that. But also it's just like not psychologically healthy. You know, if somebody... It, essentially, this is another thing in Western culture, especially that perpetuates a sense of like dominating women, right? If we are taught to be too kind and too forgiving and too loving and too self-sacrificing, um, we're taught that it's not okay to be loud. It's not okay to be angry. It's not okay to get upset. It's not okay to make a scene. Um, who benefits from, from that? generally structures and people that want to keep us in line. So um, if you find yourself in a position of having this revelation about someone in your life, some relationship, um, and you know, like, we can bullshit ourselves pretty good most of the time. But when something really like sudden cut, like truth is like a lightning bolt and you just know, and you're like, Oh fuck, you can't, you know, it is an act of self betrayal to allow that particular cycle to continue. And I do think that life gives us these difficult lessons sometimes in order to be like, Hey, you, you weren't paying attention the first time. I'm going to, I'm going to yell louder. Are you getting it now? Um, and I see this a lot with people who feel, you know, again, it's not easy to break repetitive cycles and thought patterns and habits, but 
it does seem to me that there are people who get stuck in this loop and then they just assume that that's all there is. It's like a hamster wheel of, of just bad experiences. And they don't know it's bad because they haven't gotten off the wheel. And so Uranus very, very much wants us to exit the game. Um, and that can be very frightening and can feel dangerous because it is uncharted territory. And sometimes the devil you know can feel in a fucked up way more comforting than... Um, going off and doing your own thing and not knowing what's next. But I think it's valuable to remember that the cycle, the cycle of being wounded or devalued or um, mistreated and disrespected and unappreciated past a certain point, And this is not, you know, I'm not victim blaming um, by any means, but past a certain point, it's like, okay, you know this is bad for you. You know the stove is hot. Get your fucking hand off the stove. <laughs> and that's kind of where we are. So I'm trying to just... That's why I wanted to talk about it. Because it's like this little window. And this year has already been so challenging. It's like... You've made it this far. If, you, if you've got to bounce. If you've got to leave somebody behind. If you've got to cut somebody out of your life. Because you know that they are trapped in a hamster wheel of you know, this, this habit of just treating people like shit, you don't have to play that game anymore. You absolutely do not have to stay and play. You're allowed to leave. So, um, yeah, this, this next week is a really good opportunity to do that. Um, if you are someone who also deals in, you know, various ritual practices. Um, cord cutting is an excellent way to handle this. Um, banishing, binding, um, although I don't really recommend binding for somebody that you want out of your life. Um, that's more of like a, I have to deal with this person all the time. So I'm going to try to just like lessen their ability to fuck with me. But, um, with this in particular, we are talking about cutting and severing and removing things from our lives that do not let us flourish. The last little analogy I want to make, um, I quarantine 2020. Um, my goal was like, I want to learn how to grow flowers and not just like kind of grow flowers. Like I really want to be good at it. Um, and I've done pretty well. I'd give myself like a B plus. Um, but one of the things that I've learned, and I'm sure this is true for like all plants really, um, as soon as, as parts of the plant start to die, you have to trim them off or the plant won't have enough energy to make new blooms. And it's such a beautiful metaphor for our lives. If we are holding on to all these dead ends, if we are trying to maintain these just lifeless, draining pieces of our life, of our, the people that surround us, um, we're, that's weight. That's wasting our life force. Quite literally, it is wasting your life force. We have a finite amount of energy, and sometimes you just gotta trim the fat, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't be constantly pulled in 20 different directions, and certainly not by people who just drain you. Period. Um, so if you want to think about it in a practical way, you are a beautiful flower, okay? And um, sometimes you need to just trim those dead buds off so that you can grow better. <laughs> Analogy and metaphor are very helpful tools um, because when you put it in a practical sense, it's easier to grasp than trying to intellectually dissect the psychology of why people stay in bad relationships. Um, yeah, you, you have to, you have to take responsibility at some point in your life for where your time and your energy is going. And 
You don't have to carry around all this dead weight. You don't have to carry around people who don't appreciate you. And, and I know that we are told, especially as women, that that is selfish and that is mean. Um, but not everybody in the world was born to be Mother Teresa. And I'm not saying that as a diss to Mother Teresa. She was a lovely woman. But most of us are not here to do that. That is very rare. And yet we are held to the same standards as saints. You know, women are supposed to be selfless. I mean, this is perpetuated in, you know, in Christianity. Mary is the mother figure. She never caused a scene. She let her son get murdered by the state. Like, that is what we are taught as women from the time we were born. Here, this is the perfect woman. She never did anything. She just followed the rules and and never got upset and never fought back. And I don't real I don't think a lot of people realize how insidious these um, archetypes are in Western culture, and I think we're starting to break free of them. But Lilith is essentially like the anti uh, perfect woman archetype. You know, she's the woman who knows her power and knows what she wants and doesn't care if anybody gets pissed about it. So, um, yeah, use this use this. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure you know what you need to do, whatever that may be for you. Don't, I would like to say, don't be afraid, but that's not fair. Life, life is scary. Um, but you know, let your courage be bigger than your fear. You, you can, and, and will absolutely free yourself when you're ready. And this is one of those opportunities. So the door is open. Do with it what you will. I hope that it serves people. Um, again, it's not, <laughs> it's probably not going to be fun or easy or um, feel very good at first, but it is a really good opportunity. And yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, and, you know, prime example. <laughs> I don't, I don't follow, um, celebrity gossip at all, but I do follow Cardi B because I fucking love that woman. She is just, ugh, talk about somebody who flourishes that woman. She gets it. Um, yeah, she filed for divorce very much on the down low. I think it was actually yesterday when this aspect hit, um, quietly filed for divorce from her husband who we all know cheated on her. Um, she's not really making a fuss about it. She just, she did it. And, um, I admire that. I admire that. Good for her. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, have a lovely day. Have, just hang in there. You know, we're, we're in September 2020 is, we're getting through it. You've made it this far. We're doing good. Um, please take care of yourself. Please please love yourself. Love yourself so much that other people who don't love you can't be a part of your life. Okay. Thank you so much.